Hey friends, it's Jay, and welcome to another episode of The Things I Should Have Said. I'm a local pastor, and this is just one of those weeks, one of those weeks where it's hard to be a pastor. So we've said all along with this podcast that this is an inside look at what it's like to be a pastor, the things that go on in the heart and mind of a pastor when they have to stand up in front of a group uh, every Sunday and deliver an encouraging message. And this week, I got worked. It was a hard long week. And so I'm just going to jump into it. We're going to depart from our normal uh, podcast uh, liturgy a little bit. And I'm just, I'm going to tell you about what this week was like, and then what it was like after this week to get on stage today and preach. And I'm going to tell you why it was so good. It was so good. It was so hard and yet so good at the same time. So where to start? Well, I love my wife and her family with everything in me, and I've been married for 15 years, and when you've been married for that long, uh, her family becomes your family, and it's all just uh, true family love and bonding, and so when her family hurts, I hurt as well, and her family went through a tough time this week. Her mom has been battling cancer for the past seven years, and she has fought hard and she has fought well. There's been a lot of difficulties in that. And at the same time, uh, she had a lot of really, really good days for seven years where you almost forget that she had cancer. Uh, And then all of a sudden, this past week, she took a dramatic and drastic change for the worse where her health just instantly declined. I was just with her in in Idaho and really enjoyed my time with my wife's mother. And we got back from Idaho, settled back into life. And then uh, a week later, we get a call that she isn't doing well. And so my wife and I just drop everything. Uh, That's one of the good things about being a pastor is I can clear my schedule pretty easily. Uh, So I just cleared my schedule. We jumped in the car and we went to Southern California to go see her mom. My wife had some some things that she really wanted to say to her mother before she went. Uh, It's been great this last couple months. My wife's been able to go on uh, some trips with her mom to St. Louis. We went to Idaho. She's got a lot of really good quality time, but there's just something uh, in my wife's heart that she just wanted to make sure her mom knew how much she loved her, how much she appreciated her, and uh, how in awe she was of how strong of a woman she, she was. And so we rushed up to Central California because as her mom's health declined rapidly, she was losing consciousness and wasn't really coherent. And so we wanted to make sure we got up there while she could still recognize my wife and receive the kind words that my wife wanted to give to her. And so we got up there just in the the nick of time where she was kind of coming in and out, but there were moments where she was completely lucid and my wife was able to say uh, the loving, kind words that she had set out to say. And that was really, really good uh, for my wife. And as the week went on, things got harder because uh, pretty soon she wasn't lucid. Uh, she was still uh, alive and struggling, but we were by her her bedside 
with her. Uh, she, her wishes were that she wanted to be in her home, not to the hospital. And so it was us, her family around her, caring for her, um, nursing her in a lot of ways. Uh, if you're listening to this and you've gone through that with a, with a family member, I know you're right there with me. It's bringing back all of those images because they're strong images. If uh, you haven't gone through something like this, uh, I have no idea what this is like going through your ears and through your mind, but stick with me because uh, there's some tough stuff, but it's also really good. There were some moments where I, the pain was unreal and there was moments that were so poetic. So let me, let me just get down to the last day. So we were up there for a week and the last day it was evident that, uh, things were getting quite a bit worse and we were getting right down to the end. Uh, so much so that, uh, my father-in-law couldn't be in the room anymore. He couldn't watch, uh, his wife pass away before his very eyes. And so he left, he called his pastor and they went out to breakfast and he just said to his two daughters, one being my wife, he said, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't watch this. And so he left and my wife and her sister took over as the main caretaker and I was there to support my wife. And it became very evident that this is, this is it. And her husband was not there. And I wondered would he regret this? Would he regret leaving and not being with her when she passes away? And I didn't realize this was happening, but as we were by the bedside with uh, my mother-in-law and it was coming right to the end, her husband was trying to get back to her bedside. He was at a restaurant where he just had coffee and breakfast with his pastor. They prayed together and then he got back into his truck and the truck wouldn't start. The truck always starts, but he turned it over and turned it over and it just wouldn't fire. Uh, so the pastor's wife came and picked them both up and brought him home and he walked into the bedroom and it was so incredible, the timing. He walked in, he kissed his wife on the forehead and within minutes she passed. It's almost like she was waiting for him to return. And after he kissed her and he could see the struggle of the end of life, he looked at me and he looked at me not as a son-in-law, but he looked at me as a pastor and he said, what do you make of this? And I was so afraid to answer him because pastoral speak in moments like that can sound so trite. And I didn't want any of my words to come across as trite. And so I asked him, what do you make of this? And he processed with me for just a moment, but he was so confused, so confused. And then I spoke, I'd been preparing a message for my congregation that I was going to speak on Sunday. And it was based out of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a very, very, very famous funeral psalm that's used almost exclusively at funerals. But at our church, we were using it to talk about how God guides us because it really is a psalm about God's uh, guiding hand in our life. And as I was studying for this, I felt so conflicted. I felt this conflicted nature of, God, why are you so cruel that as I'm studying 
a passage that talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I've literally am placed in a valley of shadow of death as I watch my mother-in-law pass away. That is so cruel. How am I going to go back to my congregation after witnessing this and bring them encouragement from this psalm? How am I going to be able to stand on stage and not break down as the images come back into my mind? And so I was... I was angry, I was frustrated that I had this pastoral duty to one, care for my family, but then to rush back and care for my congregation. And it just didn't seem fair personally to me. And yet at the exact same time, I found so much encouragement and comfort from that Psalm in that moment. And it prepared me to be able to encourage my father-in-law in that very moment. And so when he looked at me and he asked me, what do I make of all of this? After I let him process, I opened up and I said, I believe that right now, as she's passing through this valley of the shadow of death, God is with her. He is so close to her. He is comforting her and he is leading her into eternity that will far outweigh the struggle and the sorrow that she's facing right now and that she's faced in her entire life. And I began to talk about eternity and resurrection. And as I was talking about these things, I watched his soul relax. I watched him find encouragement. I watched him find clarity. He was so confused of why this had to happen. And somehow, some way, my words came across not as trite, but as comforting. And it was so poetic that we were talking about resurrection. We were worshiping the name of Jesus through our conversation. And that's when she passed from this life into eternal life. And it was so sad, man, to hear my wife cry the way my wife cried. It makes me cry. So sad. And yet underneath the sadness, there's also joy and there's relief. So often we think that emotion only exists one at a time, but there's always multitude of of emotions uh, competing. And although sorrow was by far the strongest emotion and sadness and pain, we also all felt a little bit of joy and a lot of relief in that moment. Because my mother-in-law, she fought the good fight. She fought cancer for seven years. And then that last week was so hard. And it was so hard to watch. And we knew where she was heading. We knew where she was going. And there was a sense in all of us, we all said it at some point, that we just want her to get there. We don't want to lose her, but we want her to go. And so when the moment came where she passed away, there was such sadness, such sorrow, but also joy and relief. You can imagine how emotionally tired my wife was, her family, and even me. I mean, my mother-in-law, I loved her. She became like family to me. And so I'm suffering loss. But then to see my wife in so much pain, man, that causes me so much pain. And so we came back home after being in Central California for a week. And we got back just in time for me to get to church. And I had a decision to make. I had to decide, am I going to get up on stage and am I going to preach an encouraging message based out of Psalm 23 about how God guides us uh, through valleys sometimes, but ultimately to green pastures. 
Or I had another out. I could have played a video uh, from another pastor on our staff that spoke a similar message the week prior, and I could have just played that on our screen and took the, the day off. And nobody, nobody would have faulted me for that. I could have even made myself look like a good guy and talk about how uh, our first priority is to minister to our family, and that if we aren't loving and caring for our family, then our faith is counterfeit. And so I had a responsibility to care for my family, and so I wouldn't be able to speak. Uh, that, would have came, that would have played really well. People would have uh, totally given me the benefit of the doubt and grace. I could have taken the Sunday off, and yet I chose not to. And when I chose to speak, I even wondered if I was making a mistake. But there was something in me that felt like because of what I just experienced, because for the last week I was literally sitting in a valley of the shadow of death, that I had to talk about it, that there was some power that was in it that I could offer to our congregation. And so although I was emotionally drained, I just had to approach it similar to how I approach every Sunday, but with more intensity, where I just had to say to God, I've got nothing left. I can't do anything of worth without you. And so if any good's going to come from this, it's got to be from you. And so I'm tired, but I'll give it my all. But you're going to have to do something through it. And so I got on stage I opened to Psalm 23. I let people know what we went through. I didn't go into detail like I just did here. This is uh, all the things I should have said. I didn't get a chance to say that on stage, but I let them know that my mother-in-law passed away. I let them know that I was tired. And then I opened up the word of God. And as I talked about how God guides us in a very encouraging way, I looked out and I know these people's stories. And I saw people that I know just had brain surgery. I saw people that I know that is going through leukemia right now. I saw people that I know that just got fired from their job. People that really are in the valley right now. And my words landed in their hearts differently than if I didn't go through that experience. And afterwards, I was so tired. I had to get away. I had to get off the stage, get down into my office. But there were a lot of people standing between me and my office because there were a lot of people who heard my message and said, I didn't want to come to church today, but I felt God drawing me to church, and this is exactly what I needed to hear. Somehow, some way, without having any energy left, I was able to encourage these people. And now, I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm ready to take a nap. I probably won't get to because I have a toddler at home, but that doesn't matter because God gives us the strength to do what he's calling us to do. And there's sometimes as a pastor where I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to tap out and say I can't do this. I got to put in a plan B. But then there's sometimes where you go through something and you recognize that there's power in your experience. And so there's power in God's word when it comes filtered through you. And I think that's what I experienced during this time. So I'd encourage you uh, to go to friends.church and take a listen to the message if you need encouragement. Uh, I think God did something there. And so I want to make that available to you. And if you are going through uh, a hard time right now, if you are tired, if you're exhausted, I want to also remind you that God uses you during these times. He's got a purpose for your pain. And you don't have to wait 
until you get to a place where it's uh, blue skies and green pastures before you can encourage other people. Even, even when you're going through it, even when you're tired, God can use you to encourage people. It says in Psalm 23, uh, verse 5, that he prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. I love that. He doesn't wait for us to get through the valley to celebrate because he knows that the victory is won in the valley and we are strengthened in the valley and we are forged into the people that we need to be in the valley so that we can live out the purposes he has for us in the times of green pasture. But he doesn't wait for that. He allows us to live in that purpose even in the valley. So this was a hard week, but it was a good week. God is good. And I really feel like with my mother-in-law, he is her good shepherd. And he was with her in that valley of the shadow of death. And he kept her close to her, took his staff and pulled her tight, fought off danger with his rod and gave her courage that this too would pass and that the eternity that was set before her would far outweigh that dark shadowy valley that she had to cross through. And in the same way, I felt like this week for my wife and for me, God has been our shepherd. He's been guiding us. He's been leading us and he has great things for us. And even in the midst of it, we're celebrating. There's victory, there's goodness, there's sorrow and there's pain and there's darkness, but there's goodness. And we already see that now. So I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in that place today, the way the psalm ends is declaring, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I believe that. I believe surely goodness and love will follow us. No matter what we're going through, if Jesus is with us, we're going to make it through. And we don't need to fear. All we need to do is draw close to our shepherd. Let him lead us, let him guide us, and he'll get us through. I've seen it in my own life, and I know he'll do it for you as well. So that's all from me. I gotta go take a nap or get some kind of rest. But you know, I'm gonna need to do this again. So I'll see you soon.